And welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Stalter, joined as always by my guy, John Paulson. Uh, John, how are we doing today? I'm a little under the weather, but I'm feeling okay. I'm ready to do a podcast. I, I'm not, it's, not, it's not like Packer win under the weather. It's actual under the weather, but I got a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a fever, a little fatigue, but I can, I can you know, power through this podcast and get people ready for, for week eight. Well, good. We, we talked about it beforehand. First of all, what a win last night for the Packers. I know we'll get into that uh, last night, your Packers. Um, <laughs> but we talked about it before the podcast. We'll just let listeners know. If you hear like a loud thump, John, John probably hit the desk. Yeah. and uh, fell asleep because he's a little, like he said, he's a little under weather. So I'll just take over from there, and then we'll, we'll recap. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll John, be John, before before we dive into the injuries, we'll get into some Thursday night content, some sneaky starts, of course. Tell us about the music that brought us in. Yeah, this is a band called Strung Like a Horse, uh, and the name of the track is Till the Wheels Fall Off. It's off of their 2020 album, Woe, with an exclamation point, Woe, W-H-O-A. Uh, good track. I'll put it on the uh, Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find a link for in the show notes. Before we get into the injuries that will impact your fantasy rosters this week, we've been telling you for a while now that you could get a 4 for 4 subscription for free just for depositing $10 at Underdog or $20 to $35 at Prize Picks. To top it all off, if you're a new FFPC user, you'll also get a $35 coupon to play in one of our leagues. So for details, you can go to 444.com backslash plans. All right, Mark Ingram traded from the Texans back to the Saints. So he goes to the team that drafted him. How does this impact Alvin Kamara? What does this mean for David Johnson and Philip Lindsay in Houston? Yeah, this is interesting when these moves happen because I, I went back to, I think, 2016, 2017. It might have been 2017, 2018 when uh, – Ingram was in New Orleans, and I kind of plugged in their distributions when they both played. And for this week, Alvin Kamara landed at like RB nineteen, and uh, Ingram landed I don't know RB twenty something because he had a pretty big twelve to fourteen sixteen touch roll uh, back then. But I don't think that's the case now. You know, I, I looked at Kamara's shares. I think what they're trying to do here, market shares. I think they're. They're trying to keep him alive. I think they basically said that Sean Payton did. We like we like Kamara alive. Um, we like Alvin alive. That's why we brought in Ingram <laughs> to take some of the load off of him, because he just can't live up to uh, you know thirty touches a game and not get injured this year. So I think what they want to do is just try to keep him as in that you know seventeen to twenty touch range. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some games where he you know goes over that, but uh, instead of uh, you know every week overall RB1 type upside expectation, he's probably going to be in that RB5 to RB10 range. And this week, especially since he's got a pretty tough matchup against the Buccaneers uh, running the ball, they're good. They have a good rush defense, although uh, Khalil Herbert had a good game against them last week. Um, but they, he might, he might eat in the, in the passing game. He might get quite a few receptions in the passing game, especially if the saints fall behind. Um, so I think he's a confident RB1 start. And I would look at Ingram as, you know, one of these, uh, you know, if he gets a, if there's an injury ahead of him, he might work in his way into, our, you know, low-end RB2 land like uh, Devonta Booker or somebody like that. Uh, but, you know, on a weekly basis, you're probably going to get like six to eight touches out of him. And uh, unless he plays really, really well and he looks like the uh, Mark Ingram of old, then he might work his way into double-digit land. Uh, do you want to talk about Philip Lindsay and oh, yeah. some of the Houston aspect to uh, David Johnson? Yeah, I think the initial reaction is that this is great for David Johnson and Philip Lindsay, uh, and I can see a scenario where they narrow this committee to two players, and they both become somewhat flex startable, you know, with uh, 
Lindsay getting double digit carries that Ingram was, was getting, you know, he was seeing 13 to 16 uh, carries in some games um, because Lindsay's not terribly good as a receiver. He drops a lot of passes and obviously that's David Johnson's one of his strengths. Uh, maybe they split that workload and they could each, you know, kind of get into RB3 land. Um, but, you know, they've got uh, Rex Burkhead there as well, and I could certainly see a scenario where Burkhead just kind of comes in and takes over the Lindsay role, and Lindsay takes over the Ingram role, and uh, David Johnson's role doesn't change much. Uh, and there maybe would have to be another trade, uh, you know, Lindsay going somewhere, David Johnson going somewhere for... Uh, their values to, to, to really spike the way that people might, might think that they are spiked with Ingram leaving. I just feel like with Burkhead there, they might just continue their three-headed running back, but just include him instead of uh, Ingram. Deshaun Watson rumors deal reportedly in place, but the teams want his legal issues to be resolved before they make a deal. The Dolphins reportedly had the framework in place to acquire Deshaun Watson from Houston, uh, but then you heard reports that they they didn't meet Houston's trade demands. And as I just mentioned, John, a lot of teams want to make sure that his legal issues will be resolved before they do anything. I can't imagine that his legal issues are going to be resolved by the November 2nd trade deadline. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Drew Javenport is doing a good job. Uh, if you look at, look him up on Twitter, he has these mega threads where he goes through all the different things that we know. Um, I think the interesting thing that came out this week was that the commissioner basically said that he would be able to play if dealt to a new team. Right now, they don't have evidence in front of them that would uh, justify putting him on the commissioner's exempt list and make it so that he couldn't play. So that there's that aspect to it, of it. Like the, a team could get him and have him for the rest of the season. So on the flip side of this, if a, if a team really wants these legal issues to be resolved before trading for him, then that's not happening by next Tuesday. I think this is going on uh, for the remainder of the year and probably into next year. Uh, and I think for the Texans, if you think about this from a what's when do they have the most uh, leverage, uh, it doesn't seem like having Watson on the roster right now is causing them a whole lot of drama or problems. I mean, the Houston Texans are bad. They're out, running out there. They're playing their games. They're trying. The players are trying. They're losing games. Um, but there's really not a lot of, you know, rain clouds over the franchise right now because Watson is not playing. Uh, he's not in front of the press. And this is just kind of largely being ignored as far as I can tell, other than the national media trying to report on these potential trades. So what I get, what I'm getting at is that Houston can just sit on their hands if they're not getting a mega deal. You know, I think the original request was three first round picks. Right. And if a team doesn't want to mortgage its future on somebody who has all these legal issues outstanding, which I can totally understand, then Houston's best plan is to sit and wait and see if this things clear up before, uh, as we get into 2022 and we get into the draft. Because next year there's going to be 10 teams or more that are looking to upgrade their quarterback position. Right now there's like a couple that might be willing to do this deal with Watson's outstanding legal issues. So um, I think that's where I see this headed. I think we're, I, mean, I may be wrong. Maybe the deal does get done and a team like Miami pulls the trigger and wants Watson to play and see if they can you know, get into the playoffs this year. Um, but I think by next Tuesday you're asking a lot. Uh, if, if it's true that they want the legal issues resolved before the trade happens. So I think that's where I'm pretty much at. I don't think it's going to happen. 
Um, if you're in a big league and you have some quarterback issues, I could see adding him and you know putting him on your bench and uh, potentially just cutting him after next week. Um, but I think in most big leagues, he's already probably already rostered somewhere. Um, uh, just I guess it depends on the, the, how sharp your league is. Uh, so that's that's pretty much where I'm at. Adam, if you want uh, with a quarterback issue, if you have quarterback issues, go ahead and add him. But I think by next week we'll know you know his 2021 future. Let's get into some of the injury in, injury news right now. John Austin Eckler added to the injury report on Thursday with DNP. He's dealing with a hip injury. He did practice on Wednesday though. We did we've talked about this before. If it's a if it's a midweek downgrade or late week downgrade, uh, doesn't look good when it comes to that player's status for Sunday. Yeah, and uh, generally it's a bad sign. But sometimes they come back to a limited practice on Friday. They just basically he felt something in his hip and they shut him down for the day, and he comes back for a limited practice, or maybe they give him a day off and he's questionable, and then we find out more over the you know, the weekend as to what his status is. The Chargers do play late on Sunday against the Patriots, so that's not ideal if you're heading into your early round games not knowing if you're going to have Austin Eckler. Uh, but you just got to pay attention to the injury reports today. If he's full, uh, you know, obviously if he's off the injury report, you're fine. If he's full and he's questionable, then I would think he's going to play. If he's limited and questionable, then I think it's, you know, up in the air whether or not he's going to play and you're hoping for a uh, Schefter Rappaport tweet on a Sunday morning, Saturday night, uh, telling us what's going to happen with Eckler. If, if I just want to finish up on that thought, if he's out, Joshua Kelly has been the backup for the last two games. He played like 30-something percent uh, the last two games. Two games ago, Justin Jackson played like 14% snaps, but he's been dinged up. And then Larry Roundtree was the, the backup for Eckler at the start of the season, surprisingly. Uh, but that's been a rotating... Uh, door revolving door of players coming in and out as Eckler's backup but right now as of last week it was Kelly um, and and that was with Jackson a little dinged up I think Jackson is the best receiving back of the three so if you're in a PPR format and he's he's a full go which it looks like I don't I haven't seen anything on Justin Jackson being injured then he's probably most likely to get four or five catches if Eckler is out um, but you might see uh, Kelly with you know, five to 10 carries. I definitely would expect a committee because they can't seem to d- decide who the RB2 there is or they, they haven't yet. So I definitely would expect a hot hand. Uh, you know, we're going to play all three of these guys and see if anybody shows up type of a situation. Great win for your Packers last night. Unfortunately, it came with a price. Of course, you, you had 42 players out, John. So what's one more? Robert Tunyon suffered a significant knee injury, according to Ian Rappaport. You saw Robert Tunyon grab, whether it was the back of the knee or right around the knee, last night after making a big catch in the fourth quarter. Uh, not great. I, I mean, I hate I hate to talk about it in this, this light, John, but we are a fantasy podcast. If Robert Tunyon's out, what does this mean now for the Packers passing game? It's a little bit of a, a you know a downgrade for for Aaron Rodgers. Um, they did have the the second year guy Deguara, Josiah Deguara, who I think missed all of last year with an injury. He had a couple catches for twenty yards. They've got Mercedes Lewis, who's you know the, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. He they occasionally leak him out, and he makes a big play. He's tough to tackle because he's huge. Um, I'm interested to see if they maybe make a move at the tight end position before the draft uh, or before the trade deadline next week. You know, there's some decent players out there on teams that are not going anywhere, maybe an Evan Ingram. Um, 
you know, Zach Ertz has now been already traded to Arizona, but you know, a scenario like that where there's a maybe a second guy that is playing for a um, team that is you know not going to make the playoffs and they don't want to keep him. You know, I would say somebody like uh, Moali Cox, but uh, you know, the, the Colts are still in the playoff hunt. Um, but you know, players like that where they've got a second good, or maybe a Blake Jarwin, but I don't think Mike McCarthy would want to give up. <laughs> you know, Blake Jarwin to the Packers. Uh, so you could probably look at an AFC or an FC team that's out of the hunt uh, that might make a move. So I, I might look at that a little bit, but it's, it's, it won't happen until it happens and uh, the trade deadline next week. All right, Rob Gronkowski, speaking of tight ends, limited in back-to-back practices. Antonio Brown missed both practices thus far. So Antonio Brown trending toward not playing Sunday against the Saints, but Rob Gronkowski could be back this week, John. Yeah, it looks like he will be back. And I would say with Antonio Brown... Uh, still looking like he's sidelined, then Gronk is a good tight end one play. I mean, I, I plugged in his distributions from the season. Obviously, he's got the four touchdowns in the first two games, so those are hard to replicate. Like, he's not going to keep up that pace. Um, but he should be very involved if he's, you know, a full go. Uh, they, you know, they did bring in O.J. Howard, give him some more, for uh, you know, increase his snap load, and uh, Cameron Brates there as well. But if Gronk's out there, I think, you're looking at a pretty good game out of him if he's a full go. And, you know, New Orleans is tough to run on, so they might have to just go very, very pass-heavy, uh, throw it 40, 45 times, and that that would help Gronkowski as well. All right, John, here's a list of players who did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. You have Taysom Hill, Zach Wilson, Tevin Coleman, Chris Evans, Miles Sanders, Julio Jones, Terrace Marshall, and Curtis Samuel. What are your thoughts here? Uh I think the probably the important ones are Miles Sanders. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Gainwell uh, a little bit later, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott a little bit later in sneaky starts. Uh, Julio Jones is somebody to monitor, you know, with the but he's very. It's quite often that he doesn't practice two days and maybe not even a third day, and then comes out and plays. So we'll see what his status is. Tevin Coleman remaining out is good for uh, Michael Carter, who saw a, a season high uh, in touches last uh, week. Um, but Ty Johnson was also knocked out of that game with a concussion, so that also helped his his floor a little bit. Um, and I would say that's that's it. I think the Taysom Hill injury uh, is something to consider if you are thinking about streaming J- Jameis Winston because, you know, if Hill's available, he, he'll come in at goal line sometimes, and th- these are pretty high-value snaps for, for, Wilson, uh, for Winston if he's not in the game. So uh, if Hill remains out, that's good for Jameis Winston as well. All right. Giants update. <laughs> Giants, the Giants get their own update here, John. Yep. Saquon Barkley dealing with the ankle injury. Kenny Galladay, knee. Kadarius Toney, ankle. D- DNPs for them uh, on Thursday. Evan Ingram, calf injury. Sterling, Char- uh, Sterling Shepard, hamstring injury, limited on Thursday. They play on Monday night. Your thoughts on this group? Go. Yeah, that's the issue is that they play on Monday night, and so everything's backed up a day, right? So... Thursday is their Wednesday, so it's not a huge deal that any of these guys missed Wednesday. It is a kind of, you know, if it were Wednesday, uh, the first day of practice for the week. It is a good sign for for Shepard and for Ingram that they were out there on the first day of uh, practice for the week. So uh, Shepard was pretty close to playing last week and didn't. Uh, if he's back, uh, that certainly changes the situation there for the Giants. He was extremely productive when he was healthier earlier in the year. Ingram has not been able to do a whole lot uh, this season, even with all these injuries uh, to these players, and I do, I do see that Kadarius Tony is really like people are asking, giving me, you know, asking me questions because he had a couple of big, very big games, um, but he only was playing because there's they're down three or four receivers. Uh, 
not that that's going to continue. I think he is going to play if he's back. They're probably going to get him in. But they, you know, if if Kenny Galladay, uh, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard are all healthy, and I think Kadarius Tony probably is is on the field more than maybe Slayton. Um, but I don't know that he's on the field more than Shepard or Galladay if they're healthy. Right. Because uh, he's you know he's not a 90, 80, 90 percent snap guy yet. But he's on there for you know if he's on the field, they're they're looking to feed him the ball. Um, after what he did uh, earlier this year, but I, you know, I don't see him like, oh, do I want Emmanuel Sanders or Kadarius Tony? I, I want Emmanuel Sanders for 2021. I mean, he's got he's the wide receiver 16 for the year. Uh, he's playing with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, the team throws constantly, um, and uh, he's playing a ton of snaps and getting you know quite a few targets. So I, I would I would want that steady production as opposed to you know shooting for the moon with Tony. Um, because we really haven't seen Tony on the field with Shepard or Galladay for any strength, uh, length of time this season. So that's sort of where I'm at with the, with the Giants. This podcast is brought to you by Super Draft Fantasy, the official fantasy partner of Caesars Rewards. Existing 4 for 4 subscribers can get a free upgrade to our betting subscription just for depositing $10 at Super Draft. If you're not a 4 for 4 subscriber, you can get a free rest of season DFS subscription just for depositing 10 bucks. One note on this, it can take a week to get the upgrade or free subscription, but it's it's well worth the effort, so just show some patience there. And be sure to check out their new Super 15 daily fantasy game. All you have to do is pick the five players you think will score the most points. I want to tell you also about an easy and fun way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy in their brand new pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. Head to 444.com slash underdog. Claim your free 444 Pro subscription and get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. John, let's talk about your Packers. What a wild Thursday night football game. I I can imagine you sitting there in your home in California watching Kyler Murray and the Cardinals move down the field after the Packers, in my opinion, really, I mean, they dominated that game, again, in my my opinion, and the Cardinals are at the doorstep there. You're thinking, you must think, hey, best case scenario, they kick a field goal, try to win this thing in overtime. Instead, A.J. Green doesn't turn around on a pass, and, and you get the big interception for the Packers. So before we dive into the fantasy stats, walk us through your thoughts as a, as a fan last night. Uh, yeah, definitely eruption in the, in the household when the, <laughs> the interception happened. I know that's quite painful for Arizona fans. Um, I, I can only imagine. But that was a weird deal on the previous uh, drive where Aaron Jones got the touchdown. And yes, he was probably short. But I don't know that there was a shot that, you know, a video evidence right. that showed that he didn't break the plane with the ball or touch the plane with the ball. Um, and so I was really surprised that they didn't stick, go with the, the, the call on the field. Um, I certainly didn't see, I was watching the replays as they were looking at them. I didn't see anything that everything was blocked. <clears throat> and yes, his butt was down at a certain point, but they didn't know where the football was. Um, so I was surprised. And then, you know, the Packers failed to score. Uh, after that, and I was a little bit surprised that they went for it on fourth down, um, you know, to, to go up six and, you know, force a, a touchdown um, to, to beat you as opposed to just a, a field goal that gets you in overtime. Uh, but I understand why they did it, I guess, that, you know, you know, it ends the game there and they just needed a yard. Um, 
But it, that was wild. And then you get down and you're just watching Kyler Murray just start to run. And he's faster than anybody on the Packers. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so the only hope I had there at the end was that, you know, he was hobbling around that ankle on that last play. I was like, oh, he may not take off. Because they were just – the Packers have a long history of just, like, not – not even bothering with running quarterbacks, like not even trying to stop them. <laughs> um, so I was expecting bother. him to just just drop back and then just scamper into the end zone for the win. That was what I was fully expecting. Uh, but you know, threw a pass to an op- you know fairly open, kind of open uh, AJ Green who didn't turn around. I don't know if we've gotten comments as to what happened there. What he thought it looked like he was blocking. Um, and just a great play by Rasul uh, Douglas, right? Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I think, forgot his name at the end after the <laughs> after the game. Uh, they just signed him not too long ago, but you know, they had all these injuries at cornerback, and to, to get him, you know, playing against his own team to have a walk off interception like that was was pretty exciting. So, from a fan standpoint, um, that's where it was at. I just couldn't believe that they got that interception, and won the game. That was a huge win for them to win it without Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. They're down. Zedarius Smith. They don't have yeah. Jair Alexander. Um, uh, Bakhtiari is still out. Um, so really, really impressive win. And, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur is not in the co- uh, coach of the year conversation, but he should be. You're down, you're down one of your best offensive linemen. You're down one of your, you're down your best corner. You're down your best wide receiver. You're down your second, second, uh, wide receiver. You're down your third wide receiver. You eventually lose your tight end. I mean, to go on the road and, and oh, by the way, the Cardinals were unbeaten short yeah. week and they're at home. You know, you had to travel, so yeah. I just that was that that to me was an incredibly impressive win by Green Bay. All right, let's dive into the fantasy aspect of it. Aaron Rodgers, twenty-two of thirty-seven, one hundred and eighty-four yards, two touchdowns, not a lot of yardage. So what? He had two 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 TDs and didn't throw an interception. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon split the workload because Aaron Jones was heavily targeted in the passing game. So AJ Dillon sixteen carries, Aaron Jones fifteen carries. 78 yards for Dylan, 58, 59 yards for Jones. Jones had a rushing touchdown as well. Jones targeted 11 times in the passing game, seven catches, 51 yards. He was the leading wide receiver for Green Bay. Robert Tunyon, three catches, 49 yards, and then we get into a, a, a lot of the, the other backups. But Randall Cobb, two touchdowns, only three catches, five targets, 15 yards, but he caught the two touchdowns. So if you if you took a flyer on Randall Cobb last night, you're, you're happy, John. Yeah, and that was, you know, everybody was saying Aaron Jones, yes, 22 touches for him. Uh, maybe they get Jones and Dylan on the field at the same time. I think that happened a few times where Dylan was lined up as a running back, where Jones was lined up as a receiver. Uh, he ended up with 16 carries, and the game plan was just smart. Like, they, their talent and depth right now, with, given the circumstances at running back. So the playmaker is Aaron Jones. The playmaker is A.J. Dillon, where he can, you know, grind you down. Uh and did you know he wore him down a little bit, and uh, those two guys led the Packers along with Aaron Rodgers to a victory. And um, I think from a projection standpoint, it was interesting trying to figure out what the pecking order would be. I mean, you knew Cobb would likely be the most targeted uh, receiver, and he wasn't even the most targeted receiver. That actually was Jawan Winfrey, who was promoted from the practice squad. Um, but showed a little bit of wiggle, and he was able to get open, and, and Rodgers kept going to him after a, a pretty bad drop. Um, and then they got DeGuara involved. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown had a couple catches. They just kind of moved the ball with different people using scheme instead of their top players because they really didn't have any of their top <laughs> players uh, in, in the receiving game. So, you know, I thought it would be Cobb, Equinemius St. Brown, and Malik Taylor because Taylor has been around a long time. 
but Taylor came off of the COVID list at this week. So I don't know if he'd been practicing, and that's why uh, they went with Winfrey uh, instead. Amari Rogers played some, but he's still sort of learning the position, and, and he plays slot. And he did get the start, but he, you know, he he's basically Cobb's caddy right now, trying to learn as much as he can from him. Sure. So not shocking that a weird name like Winfrey or Taylor, you know, would pop up and have six targets, but nothing, you know, fantasy wise that's that was fantastic out of out of any of these receivers except for Aaron Jones and and Randall Cobb. All right, from Arizona's perspective, you know, I think I think it's important to kind of talk about Kyler Murray, who did hobble off the field last night. If you remember, it was right around this time last year they had beaten the Seahawks, and I think that was a prime time game. Might have been a Sunday night game. They had a bye week, and then after that, they dropped like three of three of their next four and lost in Seattle during that stretch. Kyler Murray started to get banged up, and then all of a sudden, the Cardinal season collapsed. I, I hate to throw this out there if we got Cardinals fans, but that's where my mind goes when you when you think about this Arizona Cardinals team and whether or not they're for real. But from a fantasy perspective, 22 of 33, 274 yards, zero touchdowns for Murray last night, two picks. He rushed six times for 21 yards. If you look at the rushing statistics, Edmonds, seven carries, 30 yards, and he, got, he scored the, the touchdown, the first touchdown. James Conner, Vultured two two more scores, so no passing touchdowns last night for Arizona. James Conner had the two touchdowns on the five carries and 22 yards. Hopkins was severely banged up. We saw that, but he managed to catch two passes, the only two that he saw for 66 yards. A.J. Green had the big gaff at the end there, had five catches for 50 yards. Kirk, four catches, 46 yards. Zach Ertz, you know, from a from a real from a real time perspective, real football standpoint, I mean, he caught some huge first downs in the second half for yeah. the Cardinals. Uh, four catches, 42 yards, and then you had Rondale Moore, three catches, 24 yards. Edmonds caught another three for 39. So your your thoughts on Arizona, John? Yeah, this you know nightmare scenario for you know managers that have Kyler Murray, you know, expecting a lot more from him uh, against the Packers, kind of a beat up Packers defense uh, on a Thursday night game, and you know would have gotten a decent day if he had uh, been able to connect with AJ Green. Um, on the last touchdown, he also had that bomb to DeAndre Hopkins that uh, looked like it was going to be a touchdown, but then Hopkins grabbed the face mask uh, of the cornerback there, and uh, you know he lost Hopkins for much of the game as well. So I think that affected – he was out there at less than 100%. He wasn't playing a lot of snaps, and that affected uh, the passing game as well. And I think the Packers just had a good defensive scheme. They kept uh, Murray in the pocket for the most part, put good pressure on him, um, and uh, forced him to make – you know, throws and there was times where he did, and there was times where he didn't, and they didn't let him until the last drive really get out and run, um, which is fairly shocking. But uh, the other takeaway I think is Chase Edmonds versus James Conner. Edmonds had the ten uh, touches for sixty-nine yards and a touchdown. Conner once again is kind of a thorn in his side. He only had five touchdown uh, touches, but he had two touchdowns, and I think it's his third multi-touchdown game of the year. So Conner is like a, I don't know modern day LeGarrette Blunt or something where he's just, <laughs> he's just come, he comes in inside the five and, and, you know, takes the load off of Murray and, and, and Edmonds and just bangs his head into the line and tries to get in the end zone. So I'm here time to score. Uh, yeah. Here, you, James, it's time to get in the game and score. So, uh, that's a, uh, that I'm sure it was disappointing for, for Cardinals fans. And if you're, you know, Hopkins, uh, you have Hopkins on your team, you're probably worried. Murray, you're probably not worried too much. If it's an ankle, he probably should be okay. But uh, you want to see practice reports uh, uh, and reports for over the weekend to see how he's doing. All right. 
Let's get into some sneaky starts. You can find find John's article at 444.com, sneaky starts. He's got uh, an entire list at every position of multiple players, but as we do each and every week here in the podcast, we only highlight a few at each position. Let's start off with quarterback, as we normally do. Kirk Cousins this week at home against the Dallas Cowboys. You mentioned him. And Teddy Bridgewater at home against Denver. Bridgewater has been struggling, but, you know, against Washington's – I think I said he's going against Denver. He plays for Denver. Uh, he's he's at home in Denver against Washington, who has been dreadful defensively this year, John. Yeah, Cousins uh, typically it hasn't held this season so far, but his home away splits are pretty – Wild, um, but since 2019, he's averaged 2.18 touchdowns and 260 yards, 60 yard, uh, 66 yards passing at home, uh, and 1.84 and 254 in away games uh, over the last two plus seasons. And uh, this game has the highest total of the week, 54.5. Uh, Dallas has yielded the an average of 311 passing yards and two touchdowns to quarterbacks this seasons this season. So. Uh, you know, I'd, be, I'd feel better about Cousins if Dak Prescott plays because, you know, they're going to put them in a position where they're going to have to throw probably more and be more of a shootout. Um, and it does seem like Vegas is thinking that he might not play because the line slipped from Cowboys minus 2.5 to Cowboys plus 2.5. So mm-hmm. keep an eye on that. But I still think I would start Cousins, uh, you know, against the Cowboys at home. And then Bridgewater, I think, is flying under the radar a little bit, but the matchup is fantastic. Uh, Washington is 32nd and just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks um he has seven touchdowns in his last three weeks uh and he's getting jerry judy back i think he's getting albert O back potentially uh some weapons are coming back and uh, you look at washington they've given up 311 yards 2.71 touchdowns to quarterbacks this season on average uh so the matchup literally does not get better yeah and uh, that's a really good point about the the point spread there jump we, we call that jumping the fence when one team is favored and then it flips it goes to the other team and I, I had noticed that late last night when I was kind of diving into the lines uh, looking at some plays that that I wanted to make but uh, it very interesting news Aaron I imagine if Dak Prescott plays uh, the Cowboys will go back to being a favorite but yeah really interesting line movement there sticking with our sneaky starts you had mentioned hey we'll get into Kenneth Gainwell a little bit later on in sneaky starts so you list Gainwell and then talk to us about Brandon Bolden as well from the running back position yeah, I would say Gainwell, Boston Scott as well. They're probably going to form a committee. If you look at what happened last week, Miles Sanders left the game after seven touches. Uh, Gainwell ended up seeing nine touches, including four receptions. And Boston Scott saw seven carries and one reception on two targets. So Gainwell's getting the more valuable touches as a pass receiver. And this is a great matchup against the Lions. They give up a ton of uh, yards to the running back position in general. 144 yards, 1.72 touchdowns, two opposing backfields on average this season. So both players could actually get in the end zone, uh, but I would definitely favor Gainwell since he's been playing more. They probably want to use Scott to just kind of keep Gainwell from having you know overuse. He's not the biggest guy in the world, so uh, I think that's how that's going to work. And then uh, Brandon Bolden is p- kind of playing the James White role and. Uh, for the Patriots, they they tried some other players in that role, and nobody's really working. Um, he has 17 catches in the last four weeks, uh, and this is a game against the Chargers where the Patriots might fall behind, and you know Bolden sees a lot of snaps and two minute drill uh, if they have to go uh, run heavy in the second half. Uh, I think they're going to try to come out and run the ball out with Damian Harris, but uh, if you know if they fall behind, they're going to have to throw the ball, and, and Bolden could be a primary. 
PPR type uh, spot start there for you if, if uh, you're you're hurting at the position. Yeah, it's a really interesting point about the the Chargers. I mean, they, if they can establish, I'm sorry, the Patriots. The Patriots can establish a run against a really porous LA run defense. Then they can they can kind of control the game, and it feeds right into Bill Belichick, and who I I think he's going to take away Mike Williams. Uh, but as you mentioned, if the Patriots then fall behind, I think then it then, then it becomes a quote unquote Chargers game because it, it suits their game plan. All right, speaking of wide receivers, let's talk about Cole Beasley and Marquez Callaway. You've got those two guys listed. Buffalo playing Miami at home, New Orleans playing Tampa at home. Yeah, I think uh, Beasley last year was obviously a, a good fantasy asset start to. to have in there, especially PPR formats. Uh, the Dolphins are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. And I think Beasley, his role is enhanced a little bit with uh, Dawson Knox uh, sidelined with you know for a few weeks. So um, Beasley had seven for 88 and a touchdown and nine targets. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a similar line against the Dolphins. And then Callaway has been the primary wide receiver target for Winston. I mean, he's obviously been targeting uh, Alvin Kamara a lot. He did in the, in the Seattle game uh, as the offense was pretty much going through Kamara. But uh, Callaway has been the primary receiver and you're in, you know, he had three for 32 on seven targets against the Seahawks, but he had four for 41 and a touchdown, two for 74 and four for 85 and, and two touchdowns in consecutive games before the team's week six bye. Um, and the Bucks, you know, Started off the season pretty bad against the receiver position. They've been a little bit better uh, over the last two or three weeks. Um, but I would expect the Saints to fall behind in this one and throw more than they'd like to keep up with Tampa. Um, and you, you could also look at Kenny Stills if you're really desperate because he's popping in our Week 8 breakout receiver model. But I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Stills at this point. All right, let's get into some tight ends before we get into your breakout model and you hand out some maybe some picks this week. Dan Arnold and Pat Fryermuth are your two or two of the tight ends you list for some sneaky starts. Yeah, in terms of a pick up and start type of a player, Dan Arnold, uh, Seattle's twenty eighth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Arnold, he's a UW Platteville graduate as I am, so I like nice. to plug him whenever I can. Converted uh, receiver, uh, got traded uh, to J- uh, Jacksonville from Carolina earlier this year, and. Uh, he's has 13 targets in his last two games for Jacksonville. So, you know, eight catches, 91 yards. Uh, Seattle's given up uh, seven catches to Pat Fairmuth, uh, two for 14 and a touchdown to Tyler Higby, uh, five for 61 and a touchdown uh, combined to the 49er tight ends and seven for 70 and a touchdown to Tyler Conklin uh, in recent weeks. So it's a nice matchup for Dan Arnold. And then I mentioned Fairmuth. Uh, in the first post-Juju Smith-Schuster game, uh, he had... Uh, season high in targets with seven, catches seven, uh, and yards with 58. Uh, so he, instead of looking at James Washington or Ray Ray McLeod, he might be the biggest beneficiary if they start using him in uh, Smith-Schuster's role. And they, they have been keeping him involved. And also, Eric Ebron is uh, dinged up, so keep an eye on him. If he's out for the game, then I think Fearmouth is going to move up uh, in the rankings uh, pretty significantly, maybe in the top 15. All right, I mentioned your breakout model last week. You gave us Terry McLaurin and Robbie Anderson. One hit, one didn't. Who's popping in this model this week? Yeah, we the model did really well last week. I think it like if it was basically a 50-50 split between hits and misses, and usually it's more of a one-third, two-thirds because just the nature of the beast. But um, you know, last last week, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Khalif Raymond, Brian Edwards, Zach Ertz, Robert Tanyan, Evan Engram, and uh, Dallas Goddard were all hits for the model. Um this, this week is interesting. I like seeing player like Terry still atop the model, uh, even after breaking out last week. 
He's still underperforming his usage. I like, I like to see like Travis Kelsey there as well. He's up, up the top. But the guy that I wanted to mention today is DJ Moore. He's had a couple of quiet uh, games after a blistering start. He's you know he's getting catches and targets and everything, but he hasn't produced relative to his usage. So I think he might have a breakout week. And then uh, T. Higgins as well has seen a lot of targets, been kind of underperforming. He's starting to slide down the rankings. People are starting to ask, you know, should I bench this guy? Um, but I think he's still seeing enough usage that you're going to end up with a, you know, if you bench him, you're going to probably miss a game uh, where he has a touchdown or two. Uh, he's still seeing red zone targets. He's still seeing a lot of targets. And he's definitely the, I think he's actually out targeting uh, Jamar Chase, if I remember wow. correctly. So uh, he's he's just not doing what Jamar Chase is doing, which is, you know, break a tackle and go 90 yards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think, I think Higgins is going to be a, a good producer over the short term, uh, given the usage he's getting from a pretty efficient uh, Joe Burrow. That's John Paulson. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's podcast. Don't forget about our partners, Super Draft Fantasy, Underdog Fantasy. Got a lot of great contests. And, uh, you know, if you want to get a 444 subscription for free, great. $10 at Underdog or $20 to $35 at Price Pick. So, again, don't forget our sponsors. John and I will be back next week. Good luck in all of your fantasy doings uh, this weekend, and hope everybody wins big. I'm Anthony Stalter for John Paulson. This is 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. Fall off, till the wheels fall off.